Welcome to the July 1st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, and the sermon is entitled, Equality in Jesus' Name, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. It's great to be in God's house. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. However, God has a message for us through His Word. Amen. This is not going to be a sermonette. This is going to be a sermon, and so I want you to take your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Galatians in your New Testament as we take one more step ahead uh, through this short but very intense letter that Paul writes to the Galatian church. I do want you to remember that this little letter was not sent to one church alone. Galatia was a province. Galatia was a large land area where Turkey sits today. Uh, And so in Galatia, there were cities, Lystra, Derbe, Iconium, Antioch were in the province of Galatia. So the great missionary Paul had passed through this province and passed through these cities and passed through the areas of Galatia, and he had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Gentiles in this area come to Jesus as Savior, he would take pockets of Gentile Christians in these separate areas of Galatia, and he would form a church there. And as best he could, he would leave that church with good leadership so they could be spiritually established as a church and doctrinally sound. But these new churches had gotten into deep trouble because false teachers had crept in and taught them lies. False teachers called Judaizers had come into the congregations and had misled these brand new Christians and these brand new established churches. Paul had preached this as he went through the province of Galatia. This is his message. He said that anyone of any background, Jew or Gentile alike, can be saved in one simple way. Come to Jesus Christ in trust, in faith, And believe, place your heart, place your life in Him, and you will be saved. The one who went to the cross, the one who rose from the grave, is the one and only Savior. You put your trust in Him, you will be eternally saved. Believe that He died on the cross. Believe that He rose from the grave, and you will be saved. Any person of any nation, of any background, can be cleansed and forgiven and promised heaven, and it comes by Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to salvation. That was Paul's teaching everywhere that he went in the province of Galatia and on beyond in the Roman Empire. But the Judaizers came in behind him after he had gone on down the road as a missionary. The Judaizers come into these congregations behind him and they say, Paul is wrong. Paul has misled you. If you're a Jew, you have to continue to keep the laws and the commandments of God. You have to follow God as we understand Him in the law that we know as the Old Testament. When you follow God's law of the Old Testament, you may then come to Jesus as Savior. If you're a Gentile, you have to now come under the law. You have to first convert to Judaism and you live the law of God. Men, you follow God's law in circumcision and you eat the proper dietary foods of the law. Once a Gentile then comes under the Jewish law, it is then as you live under the law that you may come to Jesus as your Savior. So in other words, the Judaizers had complicated salvation. They said in order for you to come to Jesus, you have to observe these laws, you have to jump through these hoops, and then you may come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul was furious that these false teachers had come behind him and confused the churches of Galatia. 
And in fact, he begins his letter to the Galatians by saying, if anyone comes to you preaching another gospel outside of Jesus Christ alone as Lord and Savior, if anyone preaches any other gospel, even an angel that comes down from heaven and preaches to you another gospel, let him be accursed. In more modern language, let him go to hell because he's misleading, he is misteaching the absolute truth of Jesus Christ. The grace of Jesus is available to all people, no matter your background, no matter the sin behind you. The grace of Jesus can envelop you. The love of Christ can enfold you when you come to him in faith alone. Now, in this sermon today, we're going to study only four verses. I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 29. These verses, I believe, are the greatest statement in the Bible of a simple and deep truth. Here's the truth. Any person can be saved. There's the truth of God's Word. Any person of any background, of any color, of any nation can be saved. Let's look at these verses. Galatians 3, begin with verse 26. Hear these words from the Word of God. Paul writes this to the Galatian church. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Four simple verses. May God add his blessing to these simple and yet deep words of his word. Now I want you to look again. Go back to verse 26. Listen to verse 26 again, chapter 3. For ye are all the children of God... By faith in Christ Jesus. Now, all the world teaches a part of this verse. If the world recognizes God, the world teaches part of this verse. The part that the world teaches is, for ye are all the children of God. Period. Ye are all the children of God. These words, then, can be taken out of the framework to imply that all of us belong to God. We all, by birth, are God's children. So that means because we are all God's children, then we can do what we choose to do. We can live, live any way we choose to live because we are born as God's children. And God is nothing more than that old granddaddy who loves us all. I understand the concept of granddaddy now a lot better. I'll let, I'll let his parents do the discipline. I get to be the granddaddy. But... When the world teaches that all of us are children of God, it implies that God, the old granddaddy, will let us live any way we choose, and it's okay with him because we're all his children. We're all born into his family. Live however you want to. It's okay. Choose to do whatever you want to. It's okay because God, the granddaddy father, will accept us all. See you in heaven. But friends, there's much more to this verse than what I just read. There's much more to this verse than what the world would teach. The verse says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
And that adds a whole new dimension to what that verse says. We are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. This old human world says, do what you want. But by faith in Jesus, Jesus says, no, you follow me. This old world teaches, the world revolves around me. I'm the important one. The universe circles around me. I'm the one I take care of me. Jesus says, no. It is true that you're important, but also look beyond yourself and love your neighbor. The world says, I was born okay the first time. I don't need a conversion. I don't need a change because I'm a child of God. Born this way, I don't need to change in any way. And Jesus says, no. No, if you're going to follow me, you must be born again. To be a child of God is to come to faith in Jesus Christ and to be born again. You're a child of God when in faith you realize that Jesus says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life. So he has set a course for every single life, and we can only follow that course by following him as our Savior. There's no other way to to follow the course and find the purpose of your life until he is first our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our God. And the truth is this, a person will only be a heaven-bound child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All those outside of faith in Jesus Christ, according to the Word of God, will find hell for eternity. Outside of faith in Jesus Christ, the world will go to hell. Outside of faith in Jesus Christ, there is no future for any person except hell. And that's the Word of God. That's specifically and exactly what the Word says. And there's no sugarcoating that. And yet, all the while, for every single person in the world, every single person in every single nation of the world, Jesus longs and Jesus waits for every single soul. Maybe today He's waiting for you to make that decision for him as Lord and Savior. Jesus desires every person to come to him. It is not God's will that any one human being go to hell. That is not God's destination for any one human being. He wants every one of us to know him in faith. I took a class in hymnody, the study of hymns in seminary, and as I was researching and writing this sermon, I remembered very vaguely a hymn that we studied in hymnody nearly 40 years ago. Tom Doss, I don't know if you know this hymn, Jesus the Crucified Pleads for Me. This is a hymn that was written by a man named W.S. Simpson in the late 1800s. I want to read just a couple verses to you. I did listen to it on YouTube. The tune is not familiar, but listen to the words of this old hymn that we've never heard before. Jesus the crucified pleads for me while he is nailed on the shameful tree, scorned and forsaken, derided and cursed. See how his enemies do their worst. Yet in the midst of the torture and shame, Jesus the crucified breathes my name. Wonder of wonders, oh, how can it be Jesus the crucified pleads for me? Lord, I have left thee, I have denied, followed the world in my selfish pride. Lord, I have joined in the hateful cry, slay him, away with him, crucify. Lord, I have done it, oh, ask me not how, woven the thorns of thy tortured brow. 
Yet in his pity, so boundless and free, Jesus the crucified pleads for me. Though our sins stand between us, Jesus pleads for our soul. Jesus desires every one of us to come to him as Lord and Savior. The Bible is absolutely plain that hell is real, but Jesus pleads and begs that every person in the world would come to him as Lord and Savior. Jesus says, it's not my heart, it's not my desire that I would lose anyone to a Christless eternity. I want every person to come to me. Look at verse 27, Galatians chapter 3. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let's stop right there. When Paul says a person has been baptized into Christ, it's not so much about water as it is about true faith in Christ. We're baptized into the family of Christ when we come to him in faith, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart. Water baptism is the symbol that shows the world that the Lord has forgiven us. The outward washing stands for the inward cleansing. But the true baptism is when Jesus moves into our hearts and becomes our Lord and our Savior. In that instant of being saved, that person's name is written in the book of God Almighty that we find in Revelation chapter 20, the book of life. And then also, that person is instantly adopted into the family of God. Here's how Paul words it. The newly saved person will put on Christ. Now, the people of Galatia would understand those words very easily. It's a, it's a simple picture image of someone who changes clothes. You put on new clothing. You put on clean clothing. The people of Galatia would understand that because when a boy was recognized as becoming a man in Galatia, that boy would put on the man's toga, brand new set of clothes that he'd never worn before. And it symbolized that this boy has now become a man because he's wearing a man's clothing that is brand new and clean, the man's toga, symbolic of his new life as an adult. But when a person comes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Lord removes that nasty, filthy, stained, stinky clothes of sin. And he puts on us a new robe, a new clothing that is shining and clean and wonderfully bright and it will never be stained again. To put on Christ in faith is to be clean forever, not just for a day, not till you sin again, but you will be clean forever when Jesus puts on those new clothes on us, when we put on that clothing of Christ. When you put on new clothes, doesn't it feel good? When you put on Christ, it's a feeling that never leaves us, that we are cleansed by him. Now, verse 28 speaks this word of equality for all people. Look at Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That verse speaks absolute equality to all people in Christ. Now, we can pretty easily say here today, if you're from India or you're from Africa or you're from Antarctica or Australia or Korea, all of us are equal in Jesus Christ. That's easy for us to say. Men and women alike, rich and poor alike, whatever our color might be, we're all equally loved. We're equally regarded in Jesus Christ. I think we all get that. But 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote these words, 
They were mind-boggling words. They, they crossed a concept that nobody could really understand until they first saw them in these words. Out in the world, Jews shunned Gentiles. They weren't equals at all. Jews called Gentiles dogs and barbarians. Two very different cultures. When they crossed paths, they avoided one another. There was no such thing as equality between Jews and Gentiles. And yet Paul says when you come to Christ, now Jew and Gentile, you are equal with one another. Unheard of that Jews and Gentiles were equal, but Jesus Christ levels the field, and now they're equals. That required a tremendous adjustment of attitude in Jews and Gentiles. Also, in Christ, Paul says, there's no bond or free. Now, of course, in our country, slavery has gone the way many years ago. But in Paul's day, 30 to 40% of the population were slaves. Men and women who were owned by a master. People who were bought at the marketplace like cattle. And yet, Paul says, if you're free or you're a slave and you come to Christ, you are equal Unheard of that slaves were equal to their master, the one who owned them. But Paul says, in Christ, you are equals. He's breaking some new territory here when he writes, there's no such thing as slave or free man. It's an amazing statement. It's a huge shift in understanding human value 2,000 years ago. Paul also says there's not male or female. Well, 2,000 years ago, women had no rights whatsoever. Women did not have a vote 2,000 years ago. Women had no standing in a marriage whatsoever. They were absolutely disposable as property. So when Paul says men and women are equals, it was unheard of. Women had no rights whatsoever. It was a man's world. But Paul says now in Christ you're equal. Well, we understand that today, or man, we better understand that today. (laughs) But in that day, it was brand new, total new territory. Paul says men and women in Christ are equals. All are one. All are of equal value to Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross and rose from the grave for us. We're equal in his eyes, in his sight, as his children And then the last verse that we look at is verse 29. Look at that verse once again. Galatians 3, 29 says this. And if ye be Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It's part of God's family. We are part of Abraham's family. We're part of Abraham's blessing. Do you remember that blessing You don't have to turn there, but listen to the blessing. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Here's God's promise to Abraham, and now we are heirs of this same promise. So listen to it. We're in this promise. God says to Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing to the world. Your family will bless the world. Of course, ultimately, Abraham's family blessed the world in that they brought us a Savior whose name is Jesus. But believers, we today, we are to be the blessing to the world. We are the ones who carry the gospel, the good news of Jesus, out of these doors into the world. Clifford Baptist Church is not a clubhouse. 
We are not this little select group that we have a password to get in through the doors. We're not a gathering of separatist and elite saints. But rather, we are a gathering of God's people, God's children, God's redeemed. And because we gather here and worship together here, we are joined with one holy commission now. As a church family and a church body, our commission is not to keep the good news here, but to take the good news out there. Amen? That's the gospel message that we are joined together as the children of God, as the redeemed of God, to take the message into the world, not to hoard it to ourselves in this little holy room, but to take it into an unholy world where Jesus is needed and the good news is needed and salvation is needed and hell is on the line. We take it to the world. We are to be a blessing to the world. At our core, we're a mission force called to go out. Yes, we gather momentarily in the week, but we're called to spend most of our week out there where the world needs Christ. We are to be a blessing. And I want you to remember this, and I know I've said it many times, but we have one little slice of time in eternity. Your little slice of time might be 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or more years, but in comparison to eternity, it's like that. This is our little opportunity that we have to bring people to Jesus. This is our chance. This is our day. This is our era to bring the world Jesus Christ. He's commissioned us to do that. We are to be a blessing to the world in this family. We are all equals in Christ. And all of us equally are called with our different talents and different ways of serving Him. All of us are called to take the gospel to the world. You know, I would love to rid us of that worn-out statistic that says 20% of the church's members do 80% of the church's work. I want that blown out of the doors here. I want 100% of us to do 100% of the work, to take Jesus to the world in ministry there. You know, you know I love you. You know I love you, church. And in that love, the Lord calls us in Christ to work together to bring boys and girls and men and women to Jesus Christ. That is not just my call or Pastor Clyde or Pastor Jeffrey or Pastor Tom's call. That's our call. All of us alike, that's our call that we're to take Christ to the world. So I pray that we will rededicate our lives today, that we will take Jesus from here and the world out there that needs him so much. But maybe today you are here without Jesus. There are millions of people outside of these doors without Jesus, but there might be one in here or one who's going to listen to this sermon on a radio or on the Internet somehow in a future day, and you don't have him. You don't know him. He's not your Savior. I'm not asking you if you've come to church. I'm not asking you if you've sat in a pew. I'm asking you, do you know him in a personal, one-on-one, loving relationship We don't have so much of a religion, we have a relationship with Him. And I want you to know this today. He is pleading for you to come. Jesus, the crucified, pleads for me. Today, He's pleading for you to just come and say, Lord, I have to lay this before you. I put it all at the foot of your cross. I am a sinner. I have done so many things wrong against you. But I believe, Lord, that you died on a cross, 
Your blood was shed, your body was broken on that cross that I might be forgiven. You took my punishment on that cross 2,000 years ago. My name, my life was on your heart then. And when you rose from the grave on the third day, you rose to give me eternal life. I don't have to jump through a series of hoops. I don't have to live by a whole bunch of rules. I just need to make this one simple decision. Lord Jesus, I believe you did it for me. I believe you're calling out to me, and I want to receive you as my Savior. That's the simple truth of the gospel. Every born-again person has to come to Christ and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to be my Lord. And we will live in thanksgiving for that Savior who loves us every single day, every single day. You can come and say, Lord, just as I am, I'm coming. I'm asking you to forgive me. Step out in faith, and he will receive you as his son or his daughter. That is his holy promise. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, today, thank you for the assurance, Lord, that we do not minister to a set color of people, or a set nationality of people. But rather, Lord, we are to take the gospel to all people around the world. Thank you that there are some representatives of this congregation who are around the world today. There are mission trips being planned right now to go around the world. Father, help us to remember that every single one of us, redeemed by Jesus, saved by faith through your grace. Every one of us has a call to be a minister in this lost world. I pray we, as a church, will rededicate our lives to that. And Father, I pray today for that one who needs you as Lord and Savior. Just put your hand on that shoulder and say, I want you as my son or my daughter. I'm pleading for you to come. I went to the cross for you. All you need to do is receive me and accept me, and I will give you eternal life. I will give you forgiveness, and you will always forever belong to me. Bless that one and that decision that he or she needs to make, Father. But just put this in your hands and pray you to speak to that heart. We love you, Lord. Bless us as a church. If there's a need for a church home, need for a healing, whatever it is, we meet together in this moment of decision. We thank you, Father, that you paid it all for us in Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.